Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Chris Costello, who'll be sitting in for Matt Watson today. Chris, what's up? How you doing, man? Thanks for having me. I appreciate you coming by. And uh, how am I doing? I'm doing pretty well. Good. Doing pretty well. Yeah, you look a, good. Thank you. Thank you. And considering that we haven't met before today, <laughs> no I'm, I'm, I'm going to just take that for what it is, which is a nice thing to say. <laughs> well, you bettered my expectations. How about that? <laughs> that, that I, I'll go with that too. Um, I, I feel like my wife needs to hear that part. Yeah, I'm like, I'm, hey, me too. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, you look great too. My love language is words of affirmation. So I, so in this podcast, if you can, you know, say nice things to me, like you get more out of me too. Okay. <laughs> well, Chris, you have built a beautiful company. There you go. Um, and we're going to talk all about that. Now, before we get into that, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io. We can help you build a software development team quickly and affordably. For those of you listening, you know I want you to be interactive. So I want you to go to Bloom, B-L-O-O-O-M.com. That is the company where Mr. Chris Costello is the co-founder and better known as Bloom or Bloom.com. Did I mention Bloom? Yeah, maybe. Okay, maybe. so go there. there's a third O. Yes, there's a third O. Third O is important. Yeah, and uh, we're going to talk all about that. And as we get into it, Chris, you wanted to give us a, a quick intro and tell us what you got, what's the problem you guys are solving over at Bloom? Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, this is one of the best parts of my, my role at Bloom is to get to tell the story about you know, the problem that we're solving and, and the reason behind starting the company, um, the why at Bloom is huge for us. Um, why, you know, why we're, why we're trying to build this company. The whole story really kind of goes back to, um, if I could set the stage, uh, before Bloom, I worked in wealth management and typically worked with people that had significantly large portfolios, usually at least $500,000 or more. Um, and, um, there was something that kind of constantly nagged at me um, um, in those years before Bloom. I've been I've been in the business since 1995. Um, started as a stockbroker. They don't even call people that anymore, but that's what we were called back in the mid 90s. But I was always bothered by the fact that that wealth managers, financial advisors, generally only want to help people that have a decent chunk of assets. And I don't fault them. I didn't fault myself for necessarily targeting that demographic because there's only a certain number of hours in the day as a financial advisor, you can help people. And it's like, do you want to help 10 people a day that have got 10 grand or do you want to help 10 people a day that at least have a million dollars in their portfolio to invest? And it bothered me because my own mom and dad actually wouldn't have qualified to get in the door of a financial advisor. And <clears throat> the other thing that we saw over and over before Bloom was how many of my colleagues, my friends, my neighbors, when they'd asked me to for help on this thing that they had through work called a 401k1. They'd sometimes even mispronounce it, you know, and I'd say, you mean a 401k? Yeah. And they'd say, I have no idea what I'm doing with this thing. You know, I, there's money coming out of my paycheck and it's going into this account, but I have no idea like what, what I'm supposed to pick in that thing. And they'd ask me to take a look at it. And it just seemed like over and over and over, 
I'd look at my friends, 401ks, just kind of doing them a favor and they had completely screwed it up. Like it was a jumbled mess of random investments. Yeah. They give you a sheet with like eight options on it and then want you to place what could be your most valuable asset later, which, which, which make that decision yeah, on a which, couple quick check marks. Well, actually, yeah. and it's not, I mean, it's not terribly hard, but what I would see over and over is like, you know, I mean, clearly it'd be like a young person that had all their money sitting in a money market or something. Yeah. And so really the impetus behind Bloom was, was around a desire to build something, leveraging technology to help people with these really, really important accounts. Because if you think these people listening to this podcast, if they're not going to sell a business for millions of dollars, if they're not going to win the lottery, if they're not going to inherit a bunch of money, this, the fact of the matter is, is most people are going to need their workplace 401k to do well enough to allow them at some point to stop working. So the stakes are huge. And we wanted to build a technology to, to address that problem, this massive segment of the market that didn't have enough money to get in the door to a financial advisor, didn't want to take the time to go to a financial advisor's office, didn't really want to take the time to figure it out themselves, but know that they needed to get this thing right. And that's what Bloom is helping people with today. Yeah. And that, you know, you talk about 401k. I mean, that's something that, um, you know, it's, it's really common and also very misunderstood. Mm -hmm. um, I do, I have found that interesting. And, you know, as someone that owns a business and I've had a lot of employees over the years, you know, people will come to me as the business that's owner right. and be like, what should that's I right. put this in? I'm like, yes. I, you know what? I'm not, I'm not doing, I'm, yes. I can't tell you because right. I don't know. And I, I hate giving financial advice <laughs> to people. Well, it's good that because, you recognize that. Well, and there's a reason for that is, well, A, if it turns to shit, then they're going to blame me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then if it goes really well, they probably would just be like, oh, cool. I was expecting that. Yeah. You yeah. know, and it's like, but, but here's the thing. I'm not a licensed dealer of, or broker or vendor of financial services. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, I just, I mean, I understand some of it, but it's yeah. not what I do. Yeah. There's some things in life that are okay to DIY. You know, we joke sometimes there are probably some people that still change their own car oil, you know, it's, you not know, me. They, I, but, but like. Things that are of like huge importance, like your future financial security, people should not be forced to DIY it. You know, if you don't have enough money to get an advisor and you're really not confident in your own ability, it shouldn't be the only option where you just have to figure it out. And that's basically what we've done at this point is we've given people the tools to save money through their employer. You've given them a packet of information, maybe a website to go to, and it's just not enough yeah. to properly arm these people to do well with these accounts. Yeah. You know, part of it is uh, um, you look at, at all this different stuff you can invest in. You mentioned um, hiring a broker or someone, a money management person. Mm -hmm. You said, well, they only want to deal with these high net worth individuals, mm -hmm. well, they get paid on commission. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a about That's why some that's some do, but, some, that, but that's overwhelmingly why the bigger money gets more attention, right? That's right. Well, I mean, a lot of models these days are fee based where you might pay 1%. So, sure. so it's like, if you're an advisor and you've got a choice to work with somebody with a million dollars, 1% is going to pay you 10 grand a year or somebody with $10,000, that 1% will pay you a hundred dollars yeah. a year. I mean, yep. you, you, yep. it's, it's easy math at this point. Well, either way, that's a commission as I see it. I mean, yeah. like, it, yeah. it, I mean, commission could be, well, it clearly, it, yeah, it, it, drives, right. it drives behavior. It drives financial advisors to focus on the wealthy people. And it's yeah. like, I, yeah. we, I would argue that people with smaller accounts need access to advisors more. 
Yeah, no, you're right. Because I mean, and it's the same way, like, when you look at from an investment standpoint, and you know, we're here at, on Startup Hustle, which by the way, if you want to also see pretty pictures of Chris and I later, you can go to the at Startup Hustle Instagram account. It's the whole reason I wore my green blue. You're sweatshirt. looking good. I knew I, mean, I would be on camera. And and intuitively, the Startup Hustle logo yes. sign is matching your shirt. I Perfect. love your logo, by the yeah. way. I love it. It looks like a tulip with a dollar that's sign in the middle exactly, of it. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> I'm kind of crushing on the logo. I'm not going to lie. So um, you talk about, well, there's a very popular book and it's been a documentary. It's called Freakonomics. I'm sure you've read mm -hmm. it, but it, it kind of, you know, this, what, what you're mentioning seems like some, like the kind of thing that Freakonomics would point out in some regards. Like you have the wealthiest people ever and they get the most attention. They get the best advice on how to get richer. Mm -hmm. And then the people that need the advice don't have access mm -hmm. to it. And it's just one of those weird little misnomers. Now, it, this is even an acknowledged thing when it comes to startups, because if you have a high enough net worth or you make enough money, you can actually, then you're an accredited investor mm -hmm. too. Yeah. And you can sidestep different mm -hmm. certain types. You can invest in startups and mm -hmm. software and do a whole lot of different mm -hmm. things that a non high net worth person can, right. can get into. But the reason is, is most of the people that have acquired that net worth are a little more sophisticated in their understanding of financial matters. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, some of them might have just inherited the dough. Right. I mean, sure, that happens. But at the same time, like, you know, that's, I, there are, that's why that exists and why it's there. But once again, here's access to some well, these are high risk, but also potentially high return, yeah. you know, things. So it, the, the system is a little bit tilted. Um, well, I read an interesting article along those lines and what you're seeing, you know, this, that companies are staying private longer. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like the really successful startups that we read all about oh, yeah. are staying private longer. Or the, going back to private. Right. And the problem is, is that that is oftentimes, if you think back to companies like, let's use a, a over cliched, you know, stock that, that made a lot of people a lot of money, Microsoft back in the eighties. Never you know, heard of them. <laughs> they were a publicly traded company. And so people, individual investors, small investors at least had a shot yeah. to put money into that company. Yep as a very early stage. And now if these companies are staying private longer, the only people that get to invest in the early stage, like you say, are these accredited investors. Actually, so, it's more like the ultra elite because right. the accredited investor is almost like a, I mean, technically you are one, but the does, people that are putting money into you, like you say, where does the soft banks gazillion dollar investment mm -hmm. fund come from people that are so freaking rich mm -hmm. that they're like, man, uh, what am I going to do with this billion dollars? And where does most of the return come from? It's in the early yeah. days of those companies yeah. too. Now with that also comes risk. And I don't want to sure. just, and, and by the way, I, do, I should point out once again, I'm not a broker of, of financial services. Are you? Are you, are yeah. you actually like a, are you bloom is a registered investment advisor? So are you absolutely. personally as well? Yes. You oh, said yeah. you were in the Certi past. Yeah. Certified financial planner. Yep. By the way, that's important to, to remember. And that's another reason, like I really do tell people that I, I, I'll leave that same disclaimer, even in my, I've done that in my books too. I'm like, Hey, look, this isn't what I do. Mm -hmm. This is an opinion. So you got to make your own decision. Mm -hmm. Now with that, with 401k, you have people making a lot of wonky decisions. Yeah. And you know, the funny thing is too, it's like most people just don't understand that stuff. And so some of these sheets they'll give you like, they're like, here's a prospectus. And it just shows you what the return was mm -hmm. for the last three years. Mm -hmm. That doesn't have any, that doesn't tell you if and, and guess, and or what. Guess what is oftentimes the most commonly used metric to determine what's going to do well in the future. The name. The, well, past performance, which is sure. oftentimes a terrible 
yeah, that's indicator. my point with that. And then sometimes the name, yeah. like people are like, oh, this is aggressive or this is not. Mm-hmm. And I mean, some of that depends on, okay. So with Bloom, we have wealth management technology. Mm-hmm. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Focused, yeah. focused on retirement savings. Sure. So you, so what you do now, so now we have an idea of what the problem is. How did you solve, how do you go about solving this? Like, what is Bloom going to do for me? How do I access that other than going to bloom with three O's.com? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, essentially, and this is what I love about technology when it's used for good is that we are leveraging technology to democratize access to financial advisor, professional money management that previously, oftentimes you needed a fairly decent sized portfolio to gain access to. I think about the clients at my other firm before Bloom, you know, we're all well off and they got access to really high quality professional money management. And now with technology, we can build services and algorithms that perfectly repeat good professional sound asset allocation optimizing your portfolio over and over and over for anyone, regardless of their account size. doesn't matter where you work. It doesn't matter where your 401k is, is at. Um, we, we can help you wherever you work essentially. And the way you do that is just go to the bloom site. Um, the whole start to finish, what I'm about to tell you, if you go into the bloom site and, and did everything I'm about to tell you, it will take you less than five minutes. And the hardest question we will ask you in that process is when do you think you might want to retire? Like, uh, that might be the one you have to think the most about. Is yesterday an option? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Does it all have to be future <laughs> right, dates? Right, right. Well, I should have already done this by now. What comp- have I done wrong? Right, right. And I'm sure that that's the case for some folks. So the, the algorithm doesn't account for guilt and shaming for past <laughs> bad financial decisions? I'm actually glad you brought that up. That's... Um, I was kind of serious about that no, on no, some level. Yeah, like no, 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 understanding what you did wrong to not repeat it is kind of why we take history class. Too. I actually think that that's a that's that's a reason why a lot of people have kind of disengaged in their own personal finances because at some point along the way, they went to a website or they spoke to an advisor or somebody came in and you know bought lunch for the office and talked about investing and they were made to feel like they were so woefully behind. Like you'll never retire type thing. And that is absolutely the furthest thing from what Bloom is going to do. Um, we will help anybody wherever they're at in their stage. And so if you go to the site, you go to Bloom with three O's, you click on the get started link in about three minutes, you can get a totally free assessment of the health of your account. And maybe if you've had good advice or this is something that comes easy to you, Maybe your account's in good shape and you'll see that. We'll let you know if your overall stock to bond mix is, is appropriate because that's, a, that's the biggest thing to get right. Let's and that make, changes over time, it right? It needs to change slightly over yeah. time. But what we see a lot of times is younger people that have way too much in conservative stuff and they're just foregoing massive amounts of growth. So number one, right. let's see if you've got roughly you have a lot right of mix. You're looking at a 30-year, 25-year investment cycle and you can go up and down. The reason you want to be more conservative at the end is if there's something wild or crazy happens, you don't want to lose 30% of that like while you're 70, right? Yeah, you want to get slightly more conservative when you get closer to needing the money. But yeah, the average age of a Bloom client is like 36 or 37. So they probably have two decades-ish. Yeah to yeah. go at least. Um, the second thing we test for is, um, diversification. Do you have, you know, kind of the right mix of things? And that's a simplified way of saying is we want to make sure you don't have too many eggs in too few baskets using that old saying. The final thing is, and this is probably the coolest part of it. We will show you what you're paying in hidden fees 
almost mm. no one has any clue what their expense ratio is inside their 401k. It's like we joke that the 401k space is like the medical industry where you go into an office, have no idea what an x-ray costs or a mammogram costs until you get your bill. You get your yeah. bill. Same thing with 401k. So we will let you know what you're paying in fees. And that and stuff's then, all public. I mean, it's all, it has it to just, be stated. It just requires right? a PhD in finance to be able to figure it out, you know, and do the digging to understand right. all that. And so we'll let you know all of that for free. I, and I always tell people like, I don't care if you sign up for Bloom. There's 84 million people in the U.S. that have a 401k right now. They're sitting at work right now. They have a 401k or a 403b. And that sounds low. It is low because about half the companies, you know, oftentimes smaller companies, you know, maybe Bob's Plumbing or something doesn't offer a 401k to their employees, which is a whole nother discussion. Whole By the way, it's problem. really easy. If you're a startup, it's really easy to offer a 401k, especially if you're already using like a payroll processor, like something like paychecks. And I'm not saying they have great retirement options or whatever. Maybe Bloom can help you figure that out. But, you know, the government gives you a credit back for setting up a 401k. I think it's not, is it still 900 bucks or something like that? Like, I mean, but it doesn't, it covers what you're going to cost to set it up. This was an excuse that was appropriate five or 10 years ago. These days, the cost and simplicity of offering a 401k have come way down. Yeah. But even as a business owner, so I own a couple different businesses and I got a 401k. It's actually one of the ways I've piled in some money over time or whatever. And, and, and then actually, um, it's been useful because I've leveraged it. Now, not something I recommend for everyone, but I'm a leverage kind of guy. Now I've, I've got some more experience with it. I don't think that's for the faint of heart. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like buying stock in myself. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm not as, I'm not like, yeah, did you see what IBM did today? Right. You know, I'm like, yeah. hey, did you see we grew this amount? But, but yeah, so, but it's easy to do it. And then, you know, do it for yourself too. Cause one of the things as a business owner, it's about what you keep. Like it, this has a lot to do with it. And it, and it's not all, this isn't a greed thing. Your profit in the end and your enterprise value is based on like, what have you acquired? What has this done for you? What has this done for your life? What has this done for your business? And here's the thing is the thing that some people don't understand about a 401k is you get to put this money in investment vessels and you're not paying tax on it on the way in. That's the big plus of the 401k. Well, here's it. You pay 30. Well, hopefully you pay 40% in taxes because you're making that much money because you're awesome at what you do. And then you have even more of a reason because you don't pay that tax on the way out. Here's a real simple way to explain that. So the the benefit you're referring to is being able to save money in your 401k pre-tax. And so let's say, and I'm just using this for a round number's sake, let's say your income was a hundred grand. Today, if you do not participate in the 401k at all, you're going to get taxed on $100,000. You have the ability today to save in an account that is in your name that you own, that you get to keep forever, up to about 19 grand, like 19,500. Is that what it's up to now? Roughly. So again, just so to keep the math simple, let's call that 20 grand for now. You can save up to 20 grand. So if you took advantage of that, your income's 100 grand, but you took 20 grand and put it into an account in your name that you own forever. And now the government only taxes you on $80,000. So what, what were you going to pay in taxes on the difference between that 80 and a hundred? And that's what you save by saving into your 401k. So getting back to the, the, the thing that Bloom does. So this free analysis that I, I was starting to say that everybody in America that's got one of these accounts should take three or four minutes and at least get the free assessment. Yeah, sure. And then if you decide, you know what, it does look like there are some ways where I can improve my 401k 
then you can sign up and have Bloom manage that for you. So what does that mean? What does it mean to sign up and have Bloom manage it for you, which takes another minute or two? The way you pay Bloom is on an on a straight flat fee basis. The entire wealth management business charges percentages and basis points. We wanted to make this fair and simple. A lot of people are used to the subscri subscription-based model, you know, Amazon Prime, Netflix. Bloom charges $120 per year, regardless of your account size. 10 bucks a month. About 10 bucks a month to professionally manage this for you. And so we will go in to your 401k. Remember, we can't move the money out of there. While you work at your company, money's got to stay in that 401k. So we'll go into your 401k. We'll look at all the options you could pick from, and we'll optimize it into the lowest cost funds to build an allocation for you. So the allocation needs to be right for your age and time frame to retirement. It needs to be diversified, and we're going to do it at the lowest possible cost. And so generally speaking, when our clients sign up for Bloom, they'll see a reduction in their hidden fees. And these, again, these might be fees that they weren't even aware. Still your money, people. Yeah, it's like we. It's, the analogy is like termites in your house. You can't see termites, but if you leave them unchecked, what happens? They wreak havoc on the house. Yeah, Same thing good. with these fees in your 401k. If left unchecked, they'll add up to a lot of money over the course of a retirement. It's kind of like the, you remember when you were a kid, someone, you know, you're like, Hey, how about you give me a penny today and two pennies tomorrow? And like, uh, that very quickly turns into this like stupid amount of yes, money. Yes. And it's the same like thing, like compound interest and the different stuff. So these fees that get shaved out of your assets mm -hmm. is less money to grow later. And if you look at that, what you're like, oh, but it's only a small amount. Well, well let me, let me, how, put, where's that going to be in 30 years? That's it. Let me, let me give you an example. This is, it is not uncommon. If you are, let's say 30 years old with maybe 30 years of working in front of you, depending on your 401k plan, it is not unusual. If we can get in there and lower the fees that you could see over a hundred thousand dollars of additional value in your account over a 30 year time horizon, just from minimizing fees, forget the performance of the market. I'm just talking about the thing we can control, which is fee minimum. That's $100,000. That might allow you to stop working a year and a half, a year, a year two early than you earlier than you thought you would. I mean, that is significant money over the, over a working time frame. Buy a bigger boat. <laughs> that's the worst some, the, the some work could do that. So, since you're giving good financial advice i'm giving the worst financial <laughs> advice right. ever which is actually buy a bigger boat that might be the worst financial advice it ever could isn't be, it could yeah, be. yeah, yeah, yeah. They'd, they'd appreciate yeah. quite a bit yeah it's uh, it's always a joke that yeah um <laughs> Okay, so there's... You're the anti-advisor in this. No, this I hope not. Please, please do not associate me with poor advice. That, that would... Uh, oh, man. There's there's things that you say on the podcast, and then sometimes if you watch on... You can check us out on our, the Startup Hustle YouTube channel. You'll sometimes catch my arm literally flying because I'm trying to, to pull, that to pull back, back those words. Yeah, No, yes, that's I funny. I did, anybody that, by the way, anybody who's ever been around boats knows that that <laughs> yes. was, that was a very credible, well, bad heard, advice comment. You know what the boat stands for, don't you? Uh, tell me again. Break out another thousand. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I knew it was something I was trying to think of that. Or the two this. happiest days in a boat owner's life, the day they buy getting the boat it and, and getting rid of it. Yeah. 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 It's uh, I've never owned a boat and I probably won't. It's funny. You talk about different things. Like maybe you should just rent that. You're right. Yeah. Cause you get to give it back at the end along with all the stuff that you ruined. <laughs> okay. So 
any any business, any startup, any, whether it's technology based, service based, anything goes through a process of what I'll say validation. And obviously, this is these are you can get some market validation while you're trying to get set up. Mm-hmm. Now, you guys have clearly reached a level of validation because I believe you've got twenty five thousand users. Mm-hmm. 25,000 clients. Yep. 25,000 paying clients. Yep. And that that's, and you have done now we like to, you know, just kind of talk about the history of things. You've been doing this, what, six or seven years? Yeah. The, we started working on it. Uh, and my co-founder, Randy Bloom was founded by myself, Kevin Connard and Randy Ofterheide. And we started, um, you know, all three of us had other jobs, um, at the time that we had the idea for Bloom. And so we started to meet in Randy's basement, like on Thursday and Sunday nights. And, um, after the kids went to bed and we started working on the idea for this, but that was January, kind of the early part of 2013. And then we didn't launch Bloom to the public, uh, until the fall of 14. So it's been live out in the wild, if you will, for about five years, five years mm-hmm. and took you, took you a year to get it out there. It took about a year and a half yeah. before we were comfortable kind of going public with it. Yep. Now exactly. along, along that path, you've raised $13 million. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what are some of your comments about how that process went? I, I find that when I run out to the, when I run into those of you that are listening, um, face to face, I get a lot of questions. Well, first off, people ask me what podcast I listen to. So, you know, and you don't have to ask, I don't, I rarely even listen to this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I get a lot of funding questions Yeah, and yeah. Uh, that's been a popular topic. And I like to, for people that have raised money, I like, I I'm hoping you can give a realistic recap of probably how bad it sucked. Yeah. Yeah. But, well, well, a couple of things. So we, we, Randy, Kevin, and I started off bootstrapping the company um, for about the first, um, I guess, a little over a year or so. Uh, no, actually, no, about two and a half years because we didn't raise our Series A until the fall of 15. So the company had been alive for about two and a half years. Unfortunately, Randy and Kevin and I were in a position we could do that. And then we raised our first round. It was a Series A of $4 million from okay. institutional, um, you know, well-established VCs. And then we raised another $9 million about a year and a half later. So a total of $13 million. And I like to tell- Same the, investor both times? Or? Some of the same investors. Okay. Um, yep. Uh, a couple of follow-alongs. Um, but I like to tell people that I'm part of the 100 Club. And so what that means is between our Series A and our Series B, I pitched- bloom to over 100 different investors listen to that people i mean that's the thing you're talking about a company like this you'd already raised four million Mm -hmm. like let's be real like that puts you on the map and but we had i mean there's a lot of people that want to invest in you at that point just because you've got four million mm -hmm. bucks and and well you've on many levels reduced your risk a little because someone else put all that money in first 100 pitches yeah yeah. And if you think about it, like we actually had, when we were raising, we were able to bootstrap. So when we went to raise our first round, we had paying clients. We had one best of show at Finnovate. So we had kind of, you know, hit the map and it was still a ton of getting on the phone. I always recommend to, 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 to people that are entering the world of fundraising that the, most of this can be done in a go-to-meeting Zoom type format. Yep. And then when you get serious interest, then you may need to hop on an airplane. I also tell people we're sitting here in Kansas City today. There are a ton of wonderful investors in Kansas City, but the fact of the matter is you need to wrap your head around the fact that you're probably going to need to go outside of Kansas City. You yeah, know, sure. we, we raised from you know uh, firms in New York, 
to Silicon Valley, to Atlanta, to Chicago. We've got investors, Ohio, I mean, literally all over the U.S. And um, it is absolutely something that at the time feels like grind. It's it's clearly something I'm proud of, you know, because very few companies are ever able to raise capital. I think they say like fewer than 1% of all companies are able well, to do That's it. why that 100 number is for those. And by the way, we've had listeners in 190 countries. Who are you people, by the way? Thank you. Really, seriously, thank you. But don't put don't put a geo fence around where people are allowed to be passionate about you. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, you just mentioned all the different places that money came from. Mm -hmm. I mean, you should start local. I mean, mm -hmm. why not? Like mm -hmm. if you can drive up the street, I actually went to a meeting this morning. I was running an idea by local VC. Mm -hmm. I was, I wasn't asking them for money. Mm -hmm. I know them. I was just like, yeah, I'm just curious what you think mm -hmm. about this. And, yeah. you know, and we drank some coffee and talked about stuff, yeah. but you know, that if you have, if you can get in front of people like that locally, see mm -hmm. what they have to say. Mm -hmm. uh, but the hundred number is big because we, the, it applies to so many different things. You mentioned about 1% actually get funded. Well, then it's, And then you, you're going to probably, because all these places, they typically see about a hundred pitches before they pick one that they like. Well, think about this. If you actually, if you, let's say, let's say it's around 1%. I think I read that somewhere. If you take out companies based in Silicon Valley or companies based in New York, it's like 0.001% of all the rest of the companies yeah. that ever get funding. But people say, why are they there? But they're there because much like an oasis in the middle of the desert will draw something mm -hmm. to it. Mm -hmm. That's where resources exist. Mm -hmm. It's not that there's a flaw with Kansas City or Omaha or Austin or wherever you are. It's just that that is, these are the pockets of, of where resource exists sure. and that's why people flock to them. It's, mm -hmm. it's not, you know, I, I get into that subject with people in Kansas city and they're like, well, how do we fix this? Everyone's leaving. I'm like, well, we need to create an incentive or resource rich environment. Well, I, I'll tell you how you, I'll yeah. tell you how you do this. I think that, I think this is a way that you re recruit and attract talent to Kansas city. I'll, I'll, I'll share you my idea. Tell them our barbecue is awesome. That's part of the story. That helps. But like, so if you're going to go out and try and recruit, let's, let's just say, tech talent, for example, if you're going to go out and try and recruit tech talent of a 25 year old, let's say, who's living in San Fran or living in New York, they're probably loving life at this point, living in a city like that. Now let's fast forward though. Somebody who's qualified that's 30 years old, maybe they're married, maybe they're starting to have kids. Yep. You can, you can make the case that this is about the best place in the entire country to raise a family. Like I used to think like we should show a house in, in, in out in the Johnson County, Kansas city area and say, do you realize on the salary that you're going to get like, this yeah. is a much house you can get. And you show I, that to I have somebody this conversation with in people San all Francisco the time. Yeah. who's paying $3,000 for 800 square foot. It's actually like, up. It's at 3,700 bucks a month average for a, yeah. a one I mean, bedroom. Think of the size of the house they can buy with yeah. a lawn. And like yeah. my kids could walk to some of the best schools in the country, public schools in blue Valley. Like, Do you know, the best part is I drove to work today and there was no traffic. It takes me 15 minutes to get to yeah. work. Yeah. Yeah. There's no traffic. It was nice. Yeah. So, I mean, like you're not going to be able to pull a single person who's 24 out of New York to come to Kansas City, but maybe a 31-year-old that's thinking about the next chapter of their life, those are the people that will come and appreciate the lifestyle that we have here and the cost of living. One of the things that I'm seeing, and I and I consider myself to be pretty dialed into this culture, you know, full scale, we're the official development partner of Launch KC now, and that's an economic development committee. Um, they're doing great things. They're bringing, mm -hmm. but they, but they don't have boundaries. They partner up with, I, I don't know if you, I, I'm sure you're familiar with Launch KC. We were one of the $50,000 grant winners back in 2015. They don't do grants anymore. 
So they pivoted. So now they found like for, they did clean tech and they get black and beach to invest 50 grand mm -hmm. in six different companies mm -hmm. and be a top level partner. It's mm -hmm. a, much, much, much improved. By the way, if you want to check it out, go to launchkc.org. Um, we were in San Francisco recently talking to some of the companies that they have partnered mm -hmm. with. Mm -hmm. And every one thing that's universal, and this isn't a pitch for Kansas City, this is a pitch for small market USA. Mm -hmm. Okay, look, there's a shortage of software programmers. You're probably going to end up with a diversified workforce. They're going to be distributed. Maybe you call full scale and we set you up a team in the Philippines. This means you're mobile, people. You can go. You don't have to embrace the world's most expensive operating cost, rent a closet and say you're from the Valley, mm -hmm. come run your business in Kansas or Omaha or Oklahoma city or like, cause it's cheap. Yeah. Cause it's cheap. It is. And that matters. Like mm -hmm. there's no, there's no glory in overspending. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and then there's other things too. You just get access to a lot of different stuff. And, and I totally agree with you. Um, you know, so I've lived all over the country, by the way, I could live anywhere I want. I choose to live here. It's it's for the reasons you mentioned. I got great public. You are schools. here for the winters. Yeah, I love, <laughs> yeah, that's actually why I'm going to our office in the Philippines in a couple yeah. of weeks. So that's what you do is you come move somewhere where it's cold in the winter, and then you open an international company <laughs> that has a lot of places in warm spots. Right. I always joke with our our folks, and I, the second chapter of my book, Million Dollar Bedroom, is titled "It's Always Sunny in Cebu City." <laughs> Um, which is pretty true. It's like the, it's like Groundhog Day there, like wow. the movie. It's the same, it's 74 to 92 every day, mm. like every day, mm. uh, all year. Actually, this week it was 77 to 87. It's going to sound real good in January. It, well, that's why I'm going for a couple mm. weeks next month. Cause if you know, if you can get, get that work done. So now Chris, how much, how much overall wealth does Bloom help manage? So for 25,000 clients that we've got today, we manage, uh, just actually this morning, uh, I saw it on the big board. We just crossed four billion dollars of assets under management. So, boom, um, yeah. And it's it's interesting because if you look at like at the robo advisor space, you know a lot of the names that come out first are like Betterment and Wealthfront. And you know Bloom is not terribly behind those companies in terms of assets under management, but we're in flyover country. You know, we're not on the radar, um, but I like uh, that. You're on the radar, dude. You have 25,000 clients. I love, but I love that. I love flying under the radar, you know, or not written about as much as some of those other companies that are, you know, in New York or San Fran. But I love the fact that we're growing like we're growing. Yeah. Hey, man, people need people need good advice. I'm yeah. pretty I'm pretty sure that's recession proof. Yeah. Well, the other thing the I like, need for good advice. The other thing I like <laughs> to say is, you know, do you want somebody managing your entire nest egg? You know, some 23 year old in a hoodie at a computer, you know, um, I don't know who is friend. that. Maybe, yeah, maybe uh, versus, uh, you know, this bloom is founded by people that have been doing this for for quite a while. Can I point out that you're wearing a hoodie right now? <laughs> there is some irony in that. Yeah, dude. I know. But I'm 46, though, so I've got yeah. more gray hair. <laughs> well, that's OK. I just felt like I, I'm sorry for calling you out. I, I was talking to someone the other day. I was having lunch with someone and he said he made a comment. He's like, yeah. And they're just sitting around wearing vests and hoodies. I was like, dude, you realize you're wearing a vest and a hoodie right now. And he was like, oh, wow. So yeah. I mean, what glass houses? Touché, yes, yeah. Yeah. yeah hey, that's okay. That's okay. So it, for those of you listening, if you're interested in what Bloom does, um, go check them out. That's B-L-triple-O-M.com. Um, I think it's cool. I think that you guys are one of Kansas City. You mentioned flying below the radar. 
I disagree, dude. You're very much on the radar. Why? Um, man, I see you guys on, on lists, on stuff. You're, you're one of the more funded companies in Kansas city, especially considering the relatively, I know six years for a startup founder, that's like dog years. So that's <laughs> <Right>. like, <laughs> like 47 real people years yeah. is like, four years in a startup right right shit'll age you quickly yeah, it man does. it really does, it does. I, so the funny thing is i'm 44 i look like i'm 87 <laughs> what was that thing on facebook that made you look older oh, yeah. yeah i want one that makes me look younger <laughs> right. that, i buy into want. that but um yeah so you guys are, are right Bloom oh, is, oh they have that actually it's called makes pic- me look it's called pictures from your past <laughs> oh yeah like the 10-year challenge <laughs> right. yeah mm. <laughs> That's what we should do is the 10 year challenge for, for do like for the, do the six month challenge for startups. You mentioned like, I think it was or maybe before we were recording, you're talking well, about one of your, one of your co-founders was like, went from, Hey, he had no gray. And now maybe he does. Well, there's a, there's, I know that people can't see there's, I don't have it with me, but there's a graph. I'll try and explain it. Cause this is so spot on what we're talking about right now. It's a, it's a graph and it basically graphs kind of the mental state of the typical founder. Oh, like dude. The, the peak is like, you know, the it's, peak is like, we have figured this out. We are going to be, you know, the biggest company ever. And, and then, then an hour later, it's, we're going to fail. So you, dang it, you ruined the punchline. So the graph was meant to be like <laughs> the time period you think is like over a year. And I say, actually, this Probably graph can, can be in one day. You can go from like the highest highs to the lowest lows in one day. <laughs> Chris, the, uh, the whole premise for why Matt Watson and I started the Startup Hustle podcast was to complain about being entrepreneurs. That was literally <laughs> the outlet. mission statement. Yes, we were we, in like episode one. We're basically like, we need an outlet. And we also wanted to be realistic. We were like actually kind of serious back mm-hmm. then too. And then we figured out like, you know what, just sitting down and talking to, to people like you and, and uh, being conversational and kind of getting to the bottom of you, mm-hmm. just the, the ups and the downs, yeah. like it's real. Like it is. this is not for the faint of heart. Yeah. Um, you know, like, it's funny. I tell people, you know, like, oh, I fly too close to the sun. I'm like, if you fly fast enough, right. you can go right, right through the middle of right. it and maybe come out all right. Yes. That's my that's, approach. That's I, approach. I also am often found saying things like sometimes you just have to jump and then build wings. Build the parachute on the way down. Yeah. 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 I tell people if you're going to jump and build wings, you better make sure you have the stuff to build the wings <laughs> before you leave the right. cliff. Um, and that's a good point. Yeah. So with that, you know, there's a lot to be said. But yeah, man, you guys have, I really think you guys are, are one at, at bloom and once again b-l-o-o-o-m.com i had enough o's in there right There's yeah three. yeah it's it's a blessing and a curse i think sometimes people when they hear it once they tend to remember it but it boy it gets misspelled a lot yeah. unfortunately google now has indexed it and i think we are we come up quite often and that's one of the things i actually advise in my book and i'm not trying to poke poke at you here but be careful mm-hmm. with the name because mm-hmm. you have you did sentence yourself to a lifetime of saying triple o mm-hmm. i can only imagine mm-hmm. how many times you've said yeah. three o's or how many times we've had to go to the media that's written about us and had it had oh, have corrected. corrected. Yeah. what yeah. is bloom what is two o's.com well so so for a while it was a live website and it was like a um it was bloom.com with two O's and it was like some type of a, uh, cosmetic school or mm. something. So it was clear that you were not at a financial services yeah. company, but now I don't know if the website's being transitioned. Now it's just like, um, it's kind of locked down. It's like an admin login or something that pops up. So it's probably being trans. Somebody's probably bought it. 
Um, and, uh, I, I and we make... looked into buying it at the time. It was just quite a, it was, a, it was a, as you would imagine, bloom with two O's, normal yeah. spelling was a big number sure. to buy. And uh, I, I tell a funny story in, in million dollar bedroom because I'm the founder of Gigabook mm-hmm. and people kept saying Gigabooks. And I thought I had a great deal because I got gigabook.com for 500 bucks. Mm-hmm. I was happy about that. And then I realized people were like, hey, man, I'm trying to go to your site. And there's nothing mm-hmm. at gigabooks.com. And then I had to go buy that for like 2000 Yeah. Which we had sucked. to buy our site for five grand. For yeah. Not even a real word. And it was. Well, that, but without, I mean, I thought I had a great deal and then it wasn't because yeah. I hadn't thought that out. And right. then I also do some other comparisons too. Like you look, you remember, you know, Dick's Sporting Goods. Mm-hmm. Um, it's real easy to go to yeah. dicks.com. And I don't know if you ever accidentally did that. They own the domain now, but let's Good. put it this way. A few years ago, those men were not playing. Yeah. They were not selling sporting yes. equipment. And yeah. think of the price tag they probably had to pay a for lot. that too. Yeah, a, a lot. A lot yeah. because they were the only Correct. people that wanted it. For and legit purposes. That, and at that point, the people that owned that knew that knew that oh, yeah. yeah and yeah. that's and name they, name your price basically well these are things that you got to consider and think about and and you know that's like a real thing and nothing will make you not want to go there other than accidentally bringing up weird male porn mm-hmm. in front of your children right. while you're trying right. to find a, right. a pair of shoes do they have a sale yeah. on this? and you're like mm-hmm. oh maybe mm-hmm. not on that mm-hmm. well anyway on that subject <laughs> um but the, hey these are this is good advice I'm and anxious these are, to see how you're going to pivot off of this these are, well i'm going to pivot right into to the outro and the regard that uh, we like to end the episodes uh, episodes of Startup Hustle, which once again was brought to you by Fullscale.io. Build a development team quickly and affordably and to what we call the Founders Freestyle. Hmm. So because we're conversational, uh, we sometimes leave things unresolved or Mm want to give you a chance to say anything you might want to say. could be advice, could be whatever. You can recite the Gettysburg Address if you want. (laughs) It's a freestyle. Mm -hmm. So I'll go ahead and turn that over to you, and then I will follow, and uh, we'll call it an episode. Yeah, well, I I think maybe maybe I'll I'll end on a little piece of advice. I'm guessing that a a fair number of your listeners um, are entrepreneurs themselves. I'm hoping. Hoping, yeah. Um, I would be surprised if they weren't. Yeah, and so I, um, you know, the the wonderful thing about being involved with Bloom is that I think a mark that you're an indicator that you're on to something special is if honestly, if the company or for some reason to go away, would your clients, your users, your customers be materially worse off if you were not in business? I think that's a very important litmus test. And I absolutely, we feel strongly that the 25,000 people that are working, that are using Bloom today as our clients, if Bloom was not available, they would be back to life before Bloom, which was cobbling together their own strategy and and likely getting it wrong and likely paying too much in fees that they didn't need to be paying, weren't even aware that they were paying. So I think that's important to keep in mind when you're a founder is, are you working on something that if it wasn't there, your users, clients, customers would be significantly worse off? The other thing I would say is, and obviously Bloom has zero intention of not scaling into the promised land beyond 25,000 clients. We think that we're onto something very special. We think that the timing of this is perfect. More and more people want to interact with their finances in a digital manner and not go to a stuffy conference room with an old school advisor anymore. So we think that the timing of this is perfect. But the other thing I would say is that if what you're working on ends up not working out, will you feel really good about what you tried to do? And this kind of leads into sometimes people that try and start things just for an exit or start things just to make a lot of money. 
that if it doesn't work out, you really don't get to say, you know, but it didn't work out. But you know what? We were trying to really improve people's lives in a significant way. We weren't necessarily building some cutesy snap crap thing that's adding no value to society. I intentionally call it snap crap. And you don't want to turn yourself into a kitten. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, and I know that the employees that we have at Bloom today all feel that way. It's that we are making an impact on people's lives. So we, like, we may not be around to see it, but there will be people because they were clients of Bloom that will be able to stop working sooner than had they not found Bloom. And what's an extra year or two of financial freedom? What's that worth? And we know that we're putting people in a position to have that. And so the, the advice, again, is to founders who might be listening to this or people that are considering becoming a founder, find something that you care deeply about that if for some reason, because not all startups make it, you know that we know that if for some reason the company doesn't make it, you can still look back and feel really good about what you tried to do. You can lay your head down on your pillow at night and feel really good about what we tried to build. Could have been a number. You, you know, there's a number of factors that can that can lead to a company not make could be bad timing, uh, could be lack of funding. And we could spend another hour talking about reasons why companies don't make it. We actually have an episode about that. It's why, why startups fail. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and we sometimes could barely scratch the surface. Yeah. And sometimes it's things that are out of your control too. So yeah. if that is the case, please go work on something that you're passionate about, a big enough problem that is worth trying to solve. Not some cutesy thing that might make you a few bucks that you can flip in a couple of years to a, to a buyer. Let it be something that's worth your time and effort. Cause as we joked about 20, 30 minutes ago, it's rough. Yeah. It's really, really hard. And the thing that keeps me going at bloom is to know that we're doing such important work and it's not, it's not just about a financial reward for founders or employees. I, and, uh, and very well stated. Thank you. Mm. Um, one of the things I tell people often is wake up and just try to do something that matters. Mm -hmm. And if that is your goal and you accomplish it on most days, you'll, you'll be all right. In the mm -hmm. end. I mean, that that's, um, there's a whole lot of different ways to go about that, um, both personally, professionally and physically. Mm -hmm. Um, and there are a lot of ways to do things that matter. I think that anytime you can, uh, dedicate your passion, your effort, your energy and your professional life to doing things that, so here's the, the interesting thing is, and I'm sure you guys have a way to, to measure the success or whatever, but, um, one of the things that were like, I look at this podcast and after several hundred episodes and hundreds of thousands of downloads, there's someone somewhere that didn't do something that would have been really fricking painful, mm -hmm. hopefully, because they heard someone on this, mm -hmm. whether it's me, Matt, a guest, anyone say, mm -hmm. oh, wow. And they thought, man, I heard someone talking about that. And that could be a bad idea. Now, the thing is, is there's no way to ever track that. Right. Yeah. But theoretically, what we did by recording this and offering that advice and giving people insight changed their life. They might not even know it. We might not even know it, but that's meaningful and that matters. And like people ask a lot of questions about this podcast. This takes time. This takes energy. I pay, I pay money. This podcast costs me money mm -hmm. to produce, but we think that it's meaningful for a number of different reasons. One, it's an outlet for us too. We get to say, why wouldn't I, I want to sit down with you and talk about this? Mm -hmm. Like I got an hour a day to do that with, mm -hmm. with all kinds of people, but 
Um, but the output, like you're saying, like, does the output of what you create, um, is it something that potentially makes people better off regardless of where that is? And I, I really like what you guys are doing. I like what you're doing in Kansas city. I like the kind of words you say about Kansas city, but that said, you don't have to be in Kansas city to go to bloom. That's three O's.com. Get some stuff straightened out and, uh, you know, check some stuff out. Um, if you want to check out the startup hustle podcast, we are on YouTube. We're on Instagram. We're on TikTok. Yeah, I've been teaching myself how to, if you want to see a really awesome slow motion shot of Erica Brune from lever one shooting Matt Watson in the face with a money gun, mm. visit the startup hustle TikTok <laughs> account. I'm still learning with that as you talk. Mm -hmm. If we're uh, all right, if you own TikTok, sorry for what I'm about to say. Uh, it's pretty meaningless. Uh, it's right up there with what uh, you, you mentioned Snapchat, Snapchat. or Snapcrap mm -hmm. or whatever. And, the, and you know, that's the thing too, is like the, the, if you're trying at your startup, People are, oh, how am I going to attract the talent that I need? When last time we were out in San Francisco, I was asking people that. I was like, well, how do you find talent? And they're like, well, people really in the end want to work on something that they feel is meaningful yes, right. and, and is interesting and useful yep. rather than working at Facebook, which will pay more to help people mm -hmm. post pictures of what they're having for mm -hmm. dinner. It's so true. So, you know, that you have an angle in there and if you're doing something that matters and it's meaningful and there's a lot of things on that list that you can tackle, then you're probably in good shape. Well, Chris, once again, thanks for coming in. I really appreciate I it. I enjoyed and, the conversation. And Thank I, you. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to end the episode now so I can go sign up for Bloom. That'd be great. Yep. See you next time. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCarsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle. Cause, 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 no one can do